With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, what up? Welcome in. I'm Doug Gottlieb. This is All Ball. You're going to love this uh, talk with my man Parker Jackson Cartwright. Of course, a SoCal born and bred basketball player who went on to play four years uh, as a starting point guard at the University of Arizona. What's it like to make it overseas? I don't know if you guys know, but in Germany last year, he was the player of the year in the first division in Germany. And now he's back playing first division in France. We'll get all of his thoughts on what it was like at Arizona when the DeAndre Ayton Got a hundred grand news dropped right before they played Oregon. You guys remember that? Um, I'm going to ask Parker about it. Great dude. Interesting story. How he regained his confidence and became really a star playing overseas. And he's very young. He's got a long career ahead of him. Before we get to that, the, the story of, of basketball right now revolves around Ime Yudoka. And like, look, I, I mean, I, I think some of how we covered it in the media was embarrassing, you know, like blaming everybody except for Ime Yudoka who accepted responsibility. And yeah, but the interesting part is how it affects the Celtics. Um, everyone I know in that organization says Joe Mazzulla is a Joe Mazzulla is a dude. He'll be great. He'll handle it great. I, I just can't stop thinking, why didn't they give it to Damon Stoudemire, who was a star in the league, has been a head coach, two things that Joe Mazzulla hasn't done. It's a it's a little bit of a curious um, decision for me because I thought Damon was ahead of him in the pecking order, but apparently he is not. And and this is a hard one to walk into because it feels a little bit like when Kyrie Irving came back after missing the playoffs because he had his his knee that remember the mesh was replaced or whatever was 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 problematic. He had that infection in his knee with the Celtics and they go to the Eastern Conference Finals and the next year they lose early and you know Kyrie you know it's the we were better without you. What, what can Joe Mazzulla get over that we were better without you thing? Even if they weren't always great with Ime. They ended up in the NBA Finals, and so uh, the perception is, perception becomes reality, and the perception is that Emei turned it around. Emei is the reason that they were so good at the end of the year. Um, I think it's a really hard job for, for Joe. Very, very difficult. And I, I also would, I'm not anybody who's critical of the Celtics. I, it's, it's one of those situations there's no guidebook for, but all you can do is share as much as people are comfortable with, but you can't share too much, and you can't share nothing at all especially if you're going to make some sort of dramatic move like suspending your head coach for a year with no set plan for if he'll come back or if he won't come back. Most people think he won't come back, but I don't understand why you wouldn't just cut ties. There has to be something in terms of 
termination for cause and how they're going about it, why they haven't terminated him yet. Or maybe it's just they really like him and they'd like for him to coach, but right now it's not possible. You got to suspend him for a year and see what happens if the dust dies down. Cause, cause here's the other thing that people don't think about. If they don't do well and they don't want to retain Joe Mazzula as their head coach and they want him to move back to being an assistant coach, like, do we think that works? Bringing him back works because then, well, what happens with women in the organization, how somebody purports stuff, it doesn't actually matter. Again, I'm not saying I say this, but others will say winning is all that matters and they brought him back to win. The, the big thing to keep in mind is the Nets should be better. The Hawks should be better. The Heat should be good. The Cavs should be better. Um, well, the Sixers should be better. So, so the East, and I haven't, you know, there's other, I, I don't know about the, the Hornets. And what they look like, there's obviously going to be other challengers out of the East that one would think have improved. Um, I mean, look, the East has been, I mean, we haven't talked about Milwaukee. You know, Milwaukee should be very good. So you got all those teams, and yet the, the Celtics went to the NBA Finals. W- what happens this year? And instead of looking at it in a cylinder in linear fashion, hey, do they have better players or worse players? Or look who they've added. And I do, they, they've added a quality backup point guard. Or maybe even quality starting point guard. Um, I don't know if they're the better because of it, because the field is much more difficult. All right, more to come on the Celtics stuff, but let's dig in. Here's my my talk with Parker Jackson Cartwright, who joined me from France. I want to get to your incredible year you had last year, right? Which mm. is the culmination of a lot, right? Right. Um, but where did it all start? Like you first started playing basketball. If I if you you're search your memory banks. Where'd you first hoop? I mean, start. I mean, the start was six years old, you know, with John Fisher, Hoopmasters. Um, you know, I was playing up with my brother because he was he's three years older than me. And, you know, John Fisher would always have me playing up with older kids. So I kind of <laughs> just got my start there. Um, and I, I got thrown into the fire early. You know, it had to be. I was tested. I was challenged at a young age, and it was you know it all worked out for me. Really. So, so you're you're playing up at at six years old. What level were you playing? Like eight? You? Yeah, I think I was eight? playing nine and under at that time. You know, I don't think I ever played my age. And as I got older, you know, when I was on John Fisher's like when I when I had my own team, you know, we were playing up in tournaments. So it was just like always that thing of being thrown into a like a competitive environment with kids that are supposed to be bigger and better than you i think you learn a lot of lessons in that i would i would agree uh but i mean like you look you're not big now you weren't big <laughs> growing up, right? right i mean so what what was that like to always be the smallest dude you know i I never really felt like I was, I always knew I was the smallest. I'm always, always have been the smallest player on the floor anywhere I've been, but I never felt like that. You know, I thought that, you know, if I just, I always felt like I stood out in a way, Um, playing smart basketball, playing within myself, you know, not trying to be too much or anybody else that um, I'm not supposed to be. And it just worked for me. I think, you know, you play with that chip on your shoulder. You feel like you belong. And it doesn't get to you that much. You just kind of do what you got to do. And it always works for me. 
So your your first high school you went to was Loyola, right? Which right. is all boys school. Yeah. Um, what? Why there? Well, my brother went there. It's very prestigious school in LA. Um, I grew up really watching them, so I was like, you know, Loyola is the school, and I feel like my brother went there. I always looked up to him. He had so much success, and I kind of just followed suit. And, you know, I don't think coming out of middle school, I really wanted to go anywhere else. It was either Loyola or, or nothing. And, um, you know, my, my dad was raised Catholic, so Loyola is obviously a prestigious Catholic all-boys school. And it just made sense at the time. Um, everything kind of just checked out. And I felt like I could have that same similar success that my brother did even more. Just watching were, him. You were, if I remember correctly, you're really highly touted, right? Everybody knew like you were a hooper. And then right. didn't you miss uh, on the, it was your sophomore, your junior year with, the, with your foot or the stress fracture. It was, that would have been my sophomore year. I missed all that time maybe like a few months during the season. Cause I started the season. We had that preseason tournament and then I didn't play until like the end of league play. So yeah, I dealt with some foot injuries throughout my whole high school career. I mean, that was, that was rough, but. It's hard, right? When you're a hooper and this is all you've done, all of a sudden they're like, you, no, you can't hoop, but you can't run. Right. You got right. to Yo, you you do you. I had foot problems, I had shin splints. I'm wearing a boot every other week. It felt like, you know, but it was just a part of that journey, you know. When you um, when you went to Sierra Canyon, people hear Sierra Canyon now and they mm -hmm. think, well, that's how it's always been. But it hasn't always been. Like you were kind of, and they tell me if I'm wrong, you were kind of that first wave of, of dudes to go to Sierra Canyon, weren't you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was. I started early, pretty much. I was there in the fifth grade, fifth to eighth, you know, when Sierra was still Sierra Canyon, but not like it is now. And then obviously when it's time to come to high school, the high school wasn't like it, you know, all it's built up to be now with the gym and, you know, all the kids going there that you that you kind of know. But, um, yeah, I feel like I'm part of that first group, that first wave that had a big part in building, you know, just that that clout and so on and so forth but, that people uh, but I, I, didn't you didn't you not even play there right like um no i, I'm, I'm, I didn't play so wait okay so so take me through how this all went down right you get done with your junior year and what happens i didn't want to done with my junior year at loyola right and then now it now it's my senior year i go into my senior year i'm there you, you play that you play that summer with who I played at summer with Cal Supreme. Okay. We had just Who's come on. Who was on my team? Mm -hmm. Who was on that team? That team had Peyton Daystrip, Aaron Holiday, uh, Zylan Cheatham. You know, we made a good run in Peach Jam. You know, it was a good team. Then the previous year, the summer before that, I played with Marcus Lee, Torrin Jones, Jordan Matthews, Nigel Williams Goss. <laughs> So we finished my junior summer, go to my senior year. I'm only there a uh, half semester. So I don't, I don't even remember how many games we played. But, you know, after, after that half semester, that first semester, that's when the season starts to get, you know, for real. You know, you're, you're in league play. You're about to hit the playoffs. So I had that incident 
the academic incident. And then what was the academic uh, incident? So I there's a three strike rule at Loyola. And, you know, over the course of four years, you know, I had, you know, two strikes um, going into my going into that the last time that I got uh, penalized, which was for a, an art incident, um, plagiarism, plagiarism type of thing. So what'd you do? I mean, like, it's dude, you're a professional basketball player. It's eight years ago. Yeah. Like, I mean, I think the first, I think the first thing I, it was like, oh, it was a homework fraud and it's a, it's a very prestigious school. So right. it's like, they're, like seriously, you know, get that. yeah, no, they're very like, serious. Didn't change the, you read something, you didn't change the wording well enough. So they said, said Did, didn't change the wording. So it's like, so that's one. And then the second time was a, was a plagiarism fraud. You know, you're, you know, you, not to say that was so much intentional, but, <laughs> you know, you're writing a paper and you're going through, I forget that, where you send your paper in and it kind of checks. I forget that program, but obviously you're not getting past that system. So that was my second thing. And then the third time was, uh, it was art class and I didn't do the assignment, but I just took somebody else's assignment, turned it into mine. So that's the, that's the third time. And so I got pulled out of class. Um, I remember that day. So, okay. So tell me about this day. Okay. So, and and so people understand you're yeah. being recruited by UCLA and Arizona. Had you committed to Arizona at that point? I had committed to Arizona my junior okay, year. Okay, so you're committed to Arizona. You're <laughs> going to Arizona. Yeah. To play for Sean Miller. Right. And all of a sudden they come into what class to get you? They come into my art class. I mean, I'm in the class, you know, and you know the tone of a, of a dean, you know, and it's not good. And I kind of just felt that energy. I knew it wasn't good, but I, I didn't know, not thinking, oh, what did, what did I do? What is, what am I in trouble for? So you get to the office, you get to Dean's office, he tells you what's going on. Um, now you know what you're up against because this is the third time and I don't know what's going to happen. So obviously they call my parents, my parents are upset. You know, it's a, it's just a very crazy thing now. Cause now what, you know, I'm supposed to go to practice after school. And like, we're, I think now we're our, our last stretch of league and then the playoffs, which we're going to be in. Cause we got Thomas Wells, Max Hazard, myself, we had a good team. And I just remember it, all, all of it happening so fast. Like, okay, now I can't finish at the school. I have to take classes at a community college if I want to get my diploma. Um, and then obviously I was, you know, well, liked at Loyola had a lot of friends I was you know everyone knew the situation um, so they didn't they they weren't going to let me finish school there but they said I could get my diploma if I go to a community college and finish classes so I just told I didn't I didn't obviously didn't feel like that was the best option for me so you know Sierra Canyon I got a lot of love for Sierra you know they open their arms and they they let me back and they brought me back. They, they already, you know, they reached out to my dad to bring me back. And that was, you know, that was very great. When did, uh, did you, when did you talk to coach Miller? Within that, within that time frame, I think within those days where I was trying to figure out what I was going to do, because I had a hearing at Loyola, you know, just to see if I could stay in school in front of the board. 
Um, so we talked. If it happened, I think it happened. The situation happened Friday and I had a hearing maybe the next day. So we talked. Um, what did he say? Sean, Sean was fine. I mean, obviously, you know, there's some disappointment. And but he but he held my hand through that situation and he was he was very strong and you know he didn't waver. <laughs> he didn't waver, man. He he kind of stuck with me and just that support. I knew if I didn't know before if it was a good decision, I knew after that and the way he handled it was was great. Can I give you mine? What happened to me in my senior year? You'll love this. Yeah. <laughs> so <clears throat> I had to take typing class. I'd already committed to Notre Dame. Right. And Notre Dame, incredibly prestigious uh, academic institution. Mm-hmm. So I had to take a typing class. I know how to type. And what you have to understand is that the difference in our age ages, um, you know, this is before the internet. And you used to have to, this is, you used to have to type all your papers. Even if you had a computer, it was more for word processing than anything. Okay. So I'm going to say like the third week of typing class. And it's, dreadful the teacher is not particularly engaging and she doesn't like athletes and it's a bunch of us athletes who were just trying to get this done right right so she's you show up to class and she's already pregnant and like three weeks in she goes on maternity leave and she's gonna be gone for the semester and like the assistant or head soccer coach is like your your head your teacher we're like up top this is awesome so we had, an, I had another teammate named Sammy Grease, and Sammy already knew how to type. And um, basically, the teacher would take, we'd take his order, whatever he'd want to eat, and then we'd all pull in money, and we used typing class to go get food, and we'd play like Oregon Trails or some kind of computer game. Okay. So we're like, this is the easiest thing ever. We'll all get A's. He's happy. Two weeks to go in semester, she comes back. Early return from maternity Oh. And we're like, oh, shit. So I come up with an idea that um, to take the, the final typing exam, all you have to do is show her your words per minute. And then at some point during the day, she has to come behind you and watch you use your fingers correct. Right. It's not, it doesn't have to be at the same time. Too many kids, she can't sit there while you do the test and watch you type. Right. Right. So she goes up and she says like 52 words a minute. All right, good. That's an And then she goes around and she's going to watch you type. So what we do is somebody else does my test. My, my buddy, Rafi Lalazarian does my test because he knows how to type. And then he's actually seated next to me and we switch the keyboard instead of it plugging into my screen, it plugs into his and his plugs into mine. So mm-hmm. while she's watching me type, you're taking this thing where, you know, it, like you get hit the right letters and he's, looking over my shoulder he's typing right here and making sure we get all the right letters so it all marries up so i'm using the fingers and doing it and he's actually doing the typing and she has no idea meanwhile his computer's going but she's not paying attention to that right (laughs) so we're like straight everybody's getting we're good and then somebody narked on us and i i remember that walk like you go into the vice principal's office and you're like oh shit like this is bad Bad, bad. This is not good. Like, and it was before my senior year, and okay. you know, like I just signed a scholarship. Like, this shit is bad. So I got a C in typing. They made me retake everything, and I end up getting a C in typing. I was 
fortunate I was at a public school that I didn't have to go anywhere else. So that's my, that's my, uh, that's, that's my story. Yeah. I feel like, so it you know, it happens. It happens, man. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to fifteen hundred dollars again sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and game sense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park that's 1-800-GAMBLER Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. You show up at Arizona, and what was it like? Arizona, you know, I, I didn't visit any other school for, you know, pretty much on visits. So I knew what I was going into. I knew the school. I knew, you know, how I was going to fit in. Um, and when, when I get there, it's like, okay, you know, this is different because I – I went, you know, you go to all boys school and although I went to a co-ed school my last semester, it's like, okay, now it's on a bigger scale, you know, college and, you know, now you're, you're on a team with guys like TJ McConnell and Stanley Johnson. So the team is really good, um, you know, and this is just a whole new experience. You're away from your parents and I'm like, wow, this is like a dream almost, <laughs> you know, Arizona and that year was really surreal, man. I mean, people were unlucky to make the tournament. 
you know, in four years, you know, I got to go and almost make the final four that year. So, and I made the tournament every year I was there. So, I mean, Arizona was, I thought the best fit for me, um, logistically being a student and a basketball player at the time. Cause you know, my parents could come to all my games, which they were, my dad was at every game, um, which was very important to me. And I mean, they say college are the best years of your life. And granted they were, I mean, I had a lot of fun, but, um, I just think the experience kind of grew it grew on me as I got older and, you know, it was just, it was an unreal experience. Um, what do you remember? What, what, what was it like to go against TJ McConnell on a daily basis? <laughs> that guy just, his motor is incredible. I mean, he, he, he stays at a level and he'll just, you know, you talk about not being the most like skilled player, but he has skill and then he has this like undeniable like grit in him. And it's like that guy, he may be better because he was just not gonna give me anything. You know, like he I was can't cool. Imagine, like, so 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 like, you know, when you get to college and you played Cal Supreme, play Loyola, played at the, the the highest level of AU with PGM and basketball that you could possibly play. And so you all, everybody thinks like, I'm used to going up against dudes. I'm used to playing hard. And then you get there and here's a grown ass man who plays way harder than you ever thought possible. Oh. Right. I mean, he was a fifth year or maybe it was a sixth. Fifth, fifth or sixth. Fifth. Yeah. Fifth. And I mean, every day was a, was a dog fight. I mean, you're trying to guard him. He's super smart. And he's got one of the best, like, mid-range pull-ups i think i've ever been around defensively he's gonna pick you up full court like <laughs> i mean just going and get some in practice and then you know at the time i was playing only like 10 to 12 minutes so i get to watch him in the game and i mean he's not afraid of anything anybody so i mean that team was really special to have ronde Hollis jefferson on it who was <laughs> crazy that guy would just she's like tj but six eight you know long arms defensive like craze so i mean learning from those guys and seeing them in a year before seeing what they almost did jumping into that it was like i really had to step up a level and mature really quickly why couldn't you guys get over that hump it's <laughs> a good question i just say it's a it's a it's a combination of, you know, you need you need a little luck on your side. You know, we're we're in the lead eight. We're playing Wisconsin. We're up the whole game. You know, we're going in halftime, and you know, like the trajectory of a game and like how it's going to go based on how you're playing and how they are. We feel like we had them figured out. They were a good team. They had Kaminsky and they had Decker. Obviously, they were experienced, but we felt like we were better. That's a game we're supposed to get, we feel like. And, you know, you miss some shots, they get hot, and the ball bounces their way. And then and then that's how it happens. Um, I think Sean Miller is one of the, the best minds in bas college basketball. 
But, you know, I just think sometimes, like I said, you need things to go your way. And, you know, it just didn't go away. Um, the next year, TJ's gone. Yeah. And you start some, come out the bench some. What was that mm -hmm. experience like? Well, now, you, now your team is different. You know, you still have guys from the pre previous year. And, you know, I felt like I was supposed to take the jump that I felt like I was supposed to, you know, being the player that I was, like, in high school, like, you know, that everybody knew. Um, and, obviously, the ball was more in my hands. You know, we had Kadeem Allen, but uh, I was more of a, a different type of player than him. So I thought, you know, this was going to be like a year for myself to really break out. Everyone has that breakout year in college basketball. Um, but I never really found I never really found my footing. I had some good games and I had some glimpses of like, OK, you know, I can I can be a good league guard in college basketball on Arizona's team. Um, but I just never quite broke through. Not saying I didn't have a good season. But, you know, I felt like for myself, it wasn't what I thought I expected or what others expected, you know, never really broke through. I had games, I had glimpses, but never really got over the hump. As a team, we never really got over as a hump. And then you get to the tournament and then you're bouncing. I think you lost in the first round. Yeah. So, that was the story of our season. Um. Okay, so I, I, I won't name names, mm -hmm. but your junior year, there was a player that uh, kind of tripped out, right? That I, I was, the story I was told was um, he like came into the practice one day without his shoes and they're like, bro, your shoes are in your locker. And he was just completely out of it. Like, there, there have been some dudes that had some weird stuff go on that in those next couple years. Yeah, fair. fair. What's that like? Yeah. What, what, what's what's? What, go ahead. I, I, I won't say another word. What? Uh, you know, it's it's that it's that thing of like you never realize what's happening around you until you're in it. And so many, so many things happened in those last really three years, you know, starting from my sophomore year to the end. It was All right, it so was, sophomore year, that gave me one thing happened sophomore. Um well you have this you have the story with Ellie Pitts. Um my Elliot Pitts and then you So for people who don't remember I was what, what what's the story? Well, I don't know. I don't know the details of the story. You know, it's a it's a misconduct situation. You know, I I don't know the, the details. I never, you know, kind of kind of just stood. He was really one of my good friends. Right. One of the best teammates I've ever had. Right. So, so something like that goes down and like now you're on the opposite side of it. Like when high school it involves you and you know what it feels like, but it's academics. Now, you know, like. Right. So now, now, you know, you're a player on a team, um, you know, and it's like it's after a big win and then things happen. And then now your season's like now your season's changing and everything around you is changing. 
So, you know, you deal with that your sophomore year. And then obviously junior year, uh, Alonzo Trier is going through his his deal with the NCAA. Um, and it's just like, you know, we can't catch a break. Arizona can't catch a break. Our players can't catch a break. So it was it was always something. But I think, you know, we did a good job of kind of keeping it, keeping it together in some way. You know, the guys that were going through their things, they kept it together. And I think that's kind of just a, a reflection of them and the program. Arizona's a party school. It's a basketball school, but also a party school. Right. Um, right. How'd you, man- how'd you manage that? How did I manage it? I mean, I have fun. I have fun. <laughs> I definitely have fun. <laughs> you know, um, you're not going to, you're not going to get around it, meaning like you're in it. So you have to find a balance. I thought I did a good job at finding a balance. You know, I've never been a huge party kind of guy. Obviously, you know, it was different. You go to college, you're going to party. Like You're on your own. You're going to make some questionable decisions. Like that's just what it is. And I definitely went out and, and enjoyed the perks of being a, a college athlete um on on great teams um but i think yeah i think i would give myself a pat on the back for managing it the best way um and having a great support system i didn't go outside of myself and do things that i knew would hurt myself or my team or my family's name or any of that your senior year is the is the year where you guys you got a chance right you got deandre ayton right your your starting point guard you know, I've right. been there four years. Mm-hmm. Where were you when the DeAndre story came out? You remember exactly where you were? Yeah, I was with my girlfriend at the time. I was at her apartment and I'm just reading it on the phone. <laughs> like Twitter it comes across Twitter. And I'm like, well, you know, that's it's just like i said it happens so fast you get from twitter then now you're hearing it from school okay um, but so so but take me through what that's actually like to be part of it comes out on twitter that, right that he was getting 100 grand right okay. mm-hmm. so i'm just it comes out i this, this, right. it's a, this is not a, it was on social media that i don't know maybe it wasn't twitter but it was social for sure definitely social media and then it was an espn story right and that was Correct. all anybody talked about Right. You're at your girlfriend's apartment. Mm. You guys, is there a group text? Does somebody call you? Like, what? What are you guys doing? When all yeah, I mean, happens? it's it's a it's a it's a group text within our team, and then it's that long, daunting wait of okay, coach is gonna send out a message, and then officials send out a message. So it's like now we have to play, kind of. Um, Damage control, in a way. Yep. Um, so the news comes out, and then, you know, obviously you have a meeting. And at that time, it's like, okay, so we're still in our season. So we have to... You guys played uh, in Oregon, I think, that day. the next game was like in Oregon. Like yeah. Yeah, so we're on the road. We're supposed to go on the road, and we played a game. And it was a great game. We should have won the game. You know, and that was another situation of like, okay, we're, we know we're dealing with this, but we still have to play basketball. And I thought we handled, for all intents and purposes, 
what anybody else thought on the outside. I thought we held it together the best we could. We had Lorenzo Romar, who was on the staff. Um, you know, he he was a great voice. And stuff happens. And you have to prepare for those things when they do. Do you guys, was there ever a, did you get any funny? Did you, did you guys start asking? I can't have to ask you. Like, <laughs> what'd you get? I mean, I, not within the team, but it's like now outside chatters coming in. Like, oh, you know, what did you get? Did you get anything? Did you, did you get a car? Did your parents, did your mom get a car? You know, everyone is, is saying something, you know, cause it just, it's a trickling effect. You know, now it's not just the under eight, it's everybody involved. So. What was it like for for him, for DeAndre? I mean, he's just a freshman, obviously a really well-respected player. He's, you know, he was having a good year. What was right. that like? What, what was, as a as his point guard, what was it like? I mean, I tried to, I tried to just help him through it as best as, as I could. Um, you know, seeing him go through it, I think at the time he was a freshman and he wasn't as mature as he was, is now. But saying that is a compliment because he handled it like he never really showed, you know, like a sh like he was really stressed or, you know, he kind of just kept it together. He's a very like lively dude. He's not a down kind of guy, mope around, getting your feelings. So he he handled it well. And I think because he handled it so well, we were allowed to just move forward, you know, and in an Oregon game he played really well. I thought that was one of his best games that I've seen in life. <laughs> you know, jumper, dunks, you know, anything, everything you see now. So I think because he handled it well and in the, in the way he, you know, gave us the confidence that we can handle it well, I think it was okay. What's, what's amazing about it is, um, so – you know, you guys lose that game in uh, was it in overtime, ninety eight, ninety three. You come back, huh? It was double, I think. Double overtime, yeah, double over overtime, and that was your right. second straight. You played Oregon State in overtime, and you played Oregon in overtime, both on that same trip, right? Right. And then you come back, you beat Stanford, you beat Cal, mm -hmm. you win yeah, the Pac twelve tournament. So there's yeah. a lot of people that look and they they see the loss to Buffalo. And like, well, they lost to Buffalo because of the DeAndre Ayton deal, and it was a distraction. But like, well, it was such a distraction. How'd you win the Pac-12 tournament? Um, right. What 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 happened against Buffalo? We we weren't. I'm not gonna say we weren't prepared because that's not the deal. We didn't match their their toughness. I mean, those guys. I don't know if you've seen the TBT, but like they've got that same team. You know, Wes Clark, CJ Massenberg, and I think they played a they played a different style than us. And obviously, we started two seven footers. You know, DeAndre. Right. They they played small. You played. They you played, played big. Right. So they played small, and they're playing like five out. Even their center wasn't making threes, and there's it's hard when you bring. Okay, you have lightning quick guards like they did, and then three bigs who are like dribbling, putting the ball on the floor. Um, but I think more so they, they out-toughed us, you know, we didn't match anything that, that they had for us. And obviously it's the NCAA tournament. It's one shot. <laughs> like if you don't match, then you're going to lose. It doesn't matter who you play. It doesn't matter who you are. 
you gotta you gotta come out and really play and we didn't what what was the locker room like because because you know we always focus on the team that pulls off the upset Mm. but for you four years of the program and you guys had just again you weren't playing poorly you just won the pac-12 tournament yeah Yeah. just won the pac-12 tournament and now all of a sudden you talk about it being fast like it's over that's it you will not put on an arizona uniform again what was it what was that locker room like it was tough it was really tough um you know even being on the bench those last seconds watching the time tick down it's like man this one went really fast and then like everything comes in to reality and you know that was a really good team so that locker room was just kind of it was we we like we obviously had that moment of like okay man this this sucks but you know after that you know, we, we came together, but it, it was tough. You know, you have, you have guys that are done and, you know, are leaving. And after such a, after such a long season with all the things that we've been through, it's like, man, but we didn't make excuses. We just, we rallied around each other and we walked out of there with our heads high. So, what was what what was your next summer and your decision like to play in the I think you played G League right away or what, what was that ne- that next summer and, and season like? Well, I don't think a lot of people know, but I so after that game, maybe like a week later, I had had a leg pain towards the end of the season, even before the Pac-12 tournament. I'm like my leg. I don't know what's going on. Like I can't really jump off of it off of just like one leg but it wasn't like in my mind serious enough to where i'm gonna shut it down so after the season i go get an x-ray and i have a tibial stretch fracture that i haven't playing with for maybe could have been weeks could have been months i don't know so that's a serious that's a significant injury i mean tibial stretch fracture without sur i mean without surgery it's a 15 month healing process shorter maybe more or less depending on you know how it heals but so i opted not to get surgery after that after that that x-ray i was just going to let it heal um and you know i had seen doctors in la like okay i'm getting mixed information like you should definitely get surgery or you it might not heal it might not heal you might not be able to play if you don't get the surgery and it's like okay the surgery you have to stick a rod through your leg your knee and you know get that metal rod and i was just kind of didn't want to do that so i just opted to to let it heal um but i ended up going to training camp with toronto not particularly knowing that i had the injury but i thought that okay if I just rehab and cause I didn't want to miss that much time, you know? And I felt like in my mind, I was putting this unwarranted pressure on myself to just, okay, you know, this is my life. This is what I have to do. So I was just going to stick with it. And I went to Toronto and they took an x-ray, like a, you know, a normal check. And they're like, cool. You can't play your broken, broken leg. We're not going to let you, we're not going to put you out in training camp. So I got cut. 
and then came back, rehab for a few months until February. And then I went to New York G League. And I was there about a month. And then that didn't work out. And then the following year. What was that like? Well, well, see, here's the thing with New York and the G League is you played at the very highest level in college. And in Arizona, there's never an empty seat in the McHale Center. And I've always thought, and for me personally, it was minor leagues was really hard just because, man, I'm used to playing in front of people that care. And now you're on a team where nobody cares. They just want to get to the league, right? That was yeah. really hard for me. What was the experience like for you in playing in the in the G? It, it was unlike anything I've experienced. Just like you said, not that guys don't particularly care. It's just like, you know, there's so much involved. Like this guy's going to play and he's got to play this amount of minutes or you know, just he's been he's on his stripes. He's been on this team for this long. Like he's gonna play. And I was playing with some good players. Like Billy Garrett was there, um, who was a who was a star on that team at the time. So coming in, I was just I didn't really know what to expect. I didn't expect to come in and not play. Right. But you know, I was it was an experience for me. How'd you how'd you end up in in England? Well, that summer they 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 called my agent and they were just like, okay, you know, we know he hasn't played, you know, he's coming off an injury, but we feel like this could be a good start for him. And just talking to my family and my brother, he was like, yeah, this could be a good start. You got to start somewhere. And for people that don't know, like Europe is different. Like you have to you have to start somewhere unless you're a guy that's highly touted, had a great college career. You know, you're not just going to start at the, the highest level. Right. You got to build and a reputation for yourself, right? Yeah, you have to build. And I didn't I didn't know anything about English basketball, but I, it I knew like- it was it was great from day one. I mean, it was, you know, no, nothing. It couldn't have went better. Um, I'm in a new country, but they're speaking English. So the off court is fine. And the basketball was was right up my alley. It let me be myself. And in turn, it started something great for myself in Europe. Uh, coolest thing about living in England? I'll say London, maybe. What about it? Like, get going to London, just being in a big city, and that's what I'm used to. I mean, you can get lost there. I was in a good city, Cheshire. Shout out Cheshire. Cheshire's a great town. But, you know, it was small, uh, sort of like what I'm used to in Tucson, like small, you know, great fan base, like, you know, great food. I don't know if you've heard of Nando's before the the big food chain in, in England. What, what do they make? It's like, it's like Mediterranean. It's like chicken, exotic, exotic food, I would say. Halloumi, cheese. It's good. So then the next year you go to France. Right. right? France is athletic. They get up and down, good style of ball. Right. Um, what was it like to play there? That was a that was tough. I think in my whole career, that was probably the toughest adjustment I've ever had to make. Because the Pro B France is the the league is very physical. 
and it's it's a slower pace it's very in turn like some some ways methodical so i had to really learn how to like slow down you know you know change change speeds and and think a little bit more um whilst whilst playing through the physicality you know because pro a is more physical which i'm in now i mean it's more athletic sorry yep so those first few months i i had to figure it out i mean i didn't think that it was going to work honestly you know the, the style just everything because you know now i'm going from england english-speaking country i'm right of my element now i'm going to france i don't speak french um you know coach is really on my ass in a good way but it's on my ass and i'm trying to figure it i'm just trying to figure it out so the first few months were really tough but then right after december i really hit a stride it was just like something clicked um what was COVID i think like i started there? starting what was what was and, COVID like there oh was, i mean we our season stopped for a month and we were on curfew the whole year 6 6 p.m 7 p.m so on everything with that, on top of that, it's just like, man, mild depression, you know, really trying to watch my mental. Cause like now I'm in house, I gotta be in the house at a certain time. It's cold. <laughs> so it, it was a lot, but I think that year really, it really helped me for everything that I, I have to deal with now. Coming back, so last year, last year was Germany, right? Yeah. And you were the player of the year in the league, which is yeah. unbelievable. It's a very good league. Right. Very good Americans. They love Americans. They yeah. love American guards. Wh where were you? I was in Bonn, Germany. Great city. Great city. One of my favorite cities that I've been in. I enjoyed it. Um, I can't say too much about it. It's just... It was a perfect match. It was close to Cologne, which is another great city. So I think I got to be my full self there as a player and a person. And the, and the coach really unlocked all of my abilities, you know, just letting me, letting me be myself. Like, I felt like this is, okay, this is how I, that I. Did you know that going in or did it take a while? You're like, oh, this really, this really is a good fit. Yeah, I thought the adjustment was to the more to the practices, you know, because our practices are very intense, very quick, but like intense, like high, you know, high. A lot intensity. of five on five. A lot of five on five, you know, like just up and down, you know, a lot of competitive, competitive drills. But he put the ball in my hands from day one. And he trusted me to make decisions for myself and the team. And he never, you know, he let me play through mistakes, which was which was a good thing early. And I just kind of was like, okay, now that I have that trust, I can just like not think. And that that season was probably one of the best seasons I've had to, to date. Um, Bond is on a river, right? And it's a big city. Over 300,000 people in it. You mentioned it's near Cologne. It's like a bon, almost yeah. like Yeah, almost like a what's the best thing to eat in Bonn? Best thing to eat in Bonn? Well, I like Italian. I forget the Italian place. I was always there. It was an Italian restaurant. 
and I was there a lot. And it was it was like in the city, you know, a little fancy, fancy Italian. I would say that's the best because pasta pizza is like that's what I love. So I would say that's a good spot. Um, I would recommend it if I had the name. Now, they speak English there, or they uh, was it all German? Uh, there's some English speakers. There's some English speakers. You can find English speakers everywhere, but there's a lot of. I met an. I met a few Americans in Bonn. Yeah, like living or going to school. So that was pretty interesting. Um, and most of the Germans speak English. So, you know, it wasn't a big. It wasn't a big adjustment in that area. And when your teammates speak English, and you're around them ninety five percent of the time. It's it's never that difficult. What what was it like to be recognized as a player of the year in the league? Considering all these different things you've been through, right? Didn't start as much as you wanted Arizona. Right. right? You had the you had the the stress fracture in your leg after college. You started in England, right? You go to Germany in your third year as a pro, your player of the year in the league. What's that feel like? I mean, I think sometimes I'm so hard on myself. I forget to like, okay, you know, I had to earn that. You know, I had to earn coming back from injury and sitting out all that time and taking my knocks, getting cut. So it was, um, it was really emotional. It was really emotional. And you know, I had to, I had to really calm myself down, but you know, it, it was an unreal, it was an unreal feeling, you know, holding the MVP trophy up, you know, you never, you know, you're a good enough player to win that type of award. And I knew I was having a good year, but to, to get that award, you know, that's a, that's a one-on-one man. It's MVP. Like no one else has it. So it's like, it's, it's wait, a speechless thing. With your personal work, okay, you see all kinds of videos of guys and getting in their bag or what, but you're a pro now, right? right. So w your workouts consist of what? I, th I think workouts consist of, like, being sharp, not, not being, like, in a gym for hours, but, like, locking in and keying in on things that you need to sharpen. And my brother works me out in summers, so it's, like – form shooting, um, mic and drills. It's like mid range, you know, balance and pull up and deep range from three. Um, it's like, it's like those things that, you know, are going to be important, especially as a small guard, you know, I have to be able to get my shot off. I have to be able to score in tight spaces and think quickly. So it's like, it's those things that, helped me in the summers that are very important through this, throughout the season. You mentioned how well you fit with Germany, with your coach, mm -hmm. but then you leave and you go to Asphalt right mm -hmm. now. That's where you are pro A in, in France. Mm -hmm. Was it just too much money? I mean, I think it's just another opportunity, like a great opportunity. And talking to my coach from Bonn, he was like, you know, because things happen fast. You know if you're going to stay or – what's going to happen next. And Asville, you know, they come and they call and it's like, it's Asville. And this is, 
this is an unreal opportunity, you know? So you have to, it's like, you got to weigh the options, but then you have to be like, okay, you know, here you have this opportunity. It's not so much always about the money. Yeah. The money is great, but now you can set yourself up if you keep moving up and, you know, this opportunity was just the best thing for me in my career and the step that I needed to take. If, if, it was, you, if, if you could easy. say, huh? It wasn't easy, though. You know, because Bonds, Bonds are great clubs, a great team, it's a great city. So, um, In 10 years, where will, we, where will you be? Well, it's funny because if you ask me that, when I first started, where would I be in five years? I always said the highest level of Europe, you know, European basketball. You know, now that I've now that I'm here, it's like, okay, I just want to get to the highest level, period, whichever that means for me. You know, maybe I just just keep riding this in Europe and have a great career, which would be which would I would be totally fine with, you know. Or you just never know. I'm only twenty seven. I feel like if I continue to grow and develop, who knows, maybe I can play in the NBA. Um, I know I have the talent. I know I have the tools. So I'm never counting myself out in any regard. I just I take everything as it comes and then I just do what I do. And then, you know, I get the recognition from whoever I feel like I need to get it from. But I, I don't have to prove anything to myself. I already know who I am. You, um, you can be more connected, obviously, with your family because of the internet. Here we are, you're in, you know, you're in France, I'm in California, we're talking via Zoom, like you can do that stuff, but it's still not home. Mm. What's the thing you miss the most when you're, when you're overseas? Mom's cooking. I mean, you know, it's those little things like, being around your family, you know, cause it's 10 months. Like, so it's not, it's not an easy, it's not an easy thing by any means. And my family's very connected. Um, we're very close. So, you know, leaving is always hard. And then this is my fourth year, you know, it never gets easier, but um, I feel like I've had that experience now where, okay, I know, I know, that I can deal with it and, and things will be okay. And they come visit. So it's not like life or death or anything, but I definitely miss being at home, you know, being around my family because it's different being around them than seeing them through a camera. Um, but, you know, I'm lucky we do have technology and that they can come and visit, you know, because that really helps you know, throughout a long 10 months, 11 months, whatever it is. If you were, if you were going to give advice to hoopers, because like, it's really hard. Like what, what you're experiencing, people don't really understand. They're like, well, you're going somewhere in a different country. You're making money. There's some cool parts to it. How do you, yeah. how do you do it? How do you, how do you focus on the positives? How do you continue to push forward? You know, you also, like, here's another thing. <laughs> you're in a foreign country when they don't speak your language. If you're not playing good, they're all talking about you, but you can't understand them because they're talking a different language and they'll do it right in front of you too. Yeah. How do you, sure. put, like, what would the advice be to a Hooper to get through the tough times of playing overseas? I would just say stay the course. I mean, God knows I've been, there's always a tough period. 
in an, in your career every season when you're overseas. Like, it could be an adjustment at the beginning when you first get there. It could be in the middle of the season around Christmas. But, like, it gets better, you know, and you have to, you have to think that way. You have to step outside of yourself. You have to, you're going to be in uncomfortable positions. But the uncomfortable zone is a great place because you learn a lot about yourself. You learn a lot about how, what you can deal with, what you can take. And it's going to be uncomfortable, like off the rip. You're, you're in a non-speaking English country, uh, non-English speaking country. So you just have to, you have to be nice to yourself and not be so hard on yourself. You know, I had to learn that like, man, why am I not, figuring this out so quickly why is why am i you know what i mean but it's like do what works for you and don't be afraid to get help from people you know because there are people that have been in my position before and i think now more americans overseas are starting to form this like bond like union almost within ourselves just like talking about our experiences and trying to make our lives easier for each other who have and you I gotten close who have you gotten close with that you didn't know before this experience like hoopers yeah obviously yeah um well i feel like i know a lot of people in the i would say like guys like kyle fall who's who's been who's been overseas for a long time he's in china now yeah you know? huge making yeah. huge money right? yeah yeah way he's, better way better post-college career than college career yeah he's kept getting better and he's traveled all over the place so yeah so I, yeah yeah so i have like some ogs that are like overseas you know that have been through everything and you think like no one's been through what you have but they have and so it's like you know you talk to guys you play a guy on a team you know he's american it's like you guys just follow each other on instagram and it's like yo yo like and you just start talking and chatting about your experiences with your team and your city. And then you just be like, man, this is the same situation basically verbatim. So you're not, a, you're never alone. I think that's some other advice that I could give to players that maybe are thinking about playing in Europe. It's like, you have to branch out, you know, you can't just stay. I've always been a quiet kind of guy, but like, right. I think Europe has like really pushed me to, step outside of myself you know broaden my horizons try different things see different things get outside the house like those are all important things well here's what i want to do uh i want to check back in with you in a couple months when you guys get up and plan yeah and see what it's like see what this experience is like as opposed to bond as opposed to france before and pro b as opposed mm. to england is that cool that sounds good man sounds good all right, well, we'll make sure we pump, we pump this out. Your family will see it and hear it. It was awesome, and congrats on an amazing year last year, and uh, sure. hopefully you can replicate it this year. Thanks, man. Talk soon. All right, Park. Thanks, bud. My thanks to Parker Jackson Cartwright. Man, that was great. Really interesting stuff. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, remember, the Doug Gottlieb Show is daily, 3 to 5 Eastern Time, 12 to 2 Pacific, and then we have a special daily podcast only you know, if you you download that sucker, that'll end up. That's kind of all you need for your day. If you can't catch the radio show, it's one hour. It's quick. 
It's hard hitting with all the different news stuff and usually an interview as well and some fun stuff. That's the Doug Gottlieb show. And of course you got all ball. So thanks for downloading. Remember to subscribe, rate and review. I'm Doug Gottlieb. This is all ball. Three six five. We don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play—from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field, whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet Three Six Five. Twenty-one plus only. Must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call one eight hundred Gambler. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.